Roberson. <laughs> All right. Yeah, this isn't force of habit. I thought I'd say just a little bit an introduction uh, for our speaker tonight. Tonight we have speaking for us someone who's really special to me. My grandfather, Earl Alverson, my grandmother, Doris, is also here. Appreciate him for so many different reasons. He's taught me a lot, not only about ministry, but also about life. I'm always here on Sundays and Wednesdays, so I don't really get the chance to hear him as much as I would like to. So selfishly, for my own personal reasons, I'm really excited about tonight. He's been in ministry, he's been preaching for about 30 years. The congregation he serves now in Sparta, Tennessee is the Plainview Church of Christ. He's been uh, working with that congregation for about 16 years. He works alongside of Ron Gilbert uh, with the mission work in Africa for the international, what is it, the international... Bible Teaching Ministries, it's a mouthful, but uh, they send food over to Africa uh, every single month and he supports that and, and raises funds for that. He's involved in a lot of different things. I won't take up any more of your time. He's going to be presenting from Luke chapter 14 on the topic, Am I Too Busy to Serve God? Good evening. Yes, my name is Earl Averson, but I'm better known now these days as Tyler's grandfather. I'd like to start out by saying this. I appreciate all your presence. I really do, and I want to thank the elders, the deacons, Tyler, this congregation for giving me this opportunity to be your speaker here this evening. But let me say I won't be the best speaker that you've ever heard, but you will be hearing a speaker doing his best, and that's what God requires of me every time I have the privilege and opportunity to preach his word. I also want to thank this congregation for the love and support that you give to my family, Tyler and Leslie all the family we really appreciate it so much we hear so many compliments from you about him and we appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts the way you've taken our family in i've looked at several different lessons before making the choice to bring the one that i have selected i hope you enjoy this lesson and the one that i have selected is entitled Am I too busy to serve God? To begin this lesson, I would like for you to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, if you don't have your Bibles with you, you can open up your iPhones, your Bible apps. And I'd like for us to continue on reading where our scripture reading ended, starting with verse 16, and we'll go through verse 24. Luke 14, starting with verse 16. Then he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. Sent his servants out at supper time to say to those who were invited, come for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. 
first said to him, I bought a piece of ground and I must go see it. I asked you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to test them. I asked you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets, in the lanes in the city, and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you have commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out in the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. You know, there is no doubt in my mind that everybody is so busy today. We're just so busy. We have jobs to take care of. We have families to take care of, and seem like we have constant demands on our time from other folks as well. And I can tell you from experience that even when we retire, we just wonder sometimes how we ever worked in a job that we seem to be so busy even in retirement. We just seem to be always in a hurry. You don't like to say, got to go, got to run, hit her hard, and get her done. Brothers and sisters, if I was to choose one word to describe our present stressed-out generation, I would choose this word, speed. Speed. We just seem to rush from one place to another, from one task to another. We race down the highways. We race down the streets, we fly on the interstates, and I don't care how fast you're going, somebody's gonna pass you like you're sitting still. You know, because of all this rushing that we're doing, a whole new concept has arisen in our American culture because of all of our fast-paced life. By that I mean we can do our banking now, pay our bills on the internet. We have fast food restaurants. We have instant food products. We have self-checkout lanes for those who are just too much in a hurry to wait in line a few minutes. We have drive-through windows for restaurants, banks, and pharmacies. We have all the modern-day conveniences, which includes the microwave that speeds up the process of homemaking in our homes. And let me say that none of those things are bad. They're really not. But brothers and sisters, we are in such a rush, rush, rush world, it seems like. I don't think a lot of times people really slow down to enjoy life. What we ought to be doing is this. We need to slow down and stop and smell the roses. We need to spend as much time as we can with our families and thank God for every minute of it. We need to spend time with our children and our grandchildren before they're grown and gone. 
There's a song I know that pretty well all of you know that came out a few years back. It's entitled The Cats in the Cradle. It tells about a father who was just like a workaholic. He was also so busy that he didn't have any time at all to spend with his little boy. Maybe he wanted to go out and play catch and just be with his father. He just didn't have, seem to have time to spend with him at all. And then the little boy, he grew up. And when he became grown, then he was too busy to spend time with his father. But let me say with everything that's going on in our lives today, all the hurrying that we're doing, we need to, or let me say we must, we must slow down and take time to serve God. There is nothing on the face of this earth that is more important than to prepare to meet God. There is nothing on the face of this earth that is more important than serving God. We need to lay aside every weight and sin that so easily does beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You know, according to the Gallup poll I've come out a few years back, about 78% of the people they interviewed said that they expect to go to heaven when they die. However, a lot of those people admitted that they never prayed, they never read the Bible, they never worshiped God, and then they admitted that they lived to play themselves and not God. That parable that I read just a few minutes ago was telling us about people that was too busy, too busy to attend the rich man's feast. Back in the day, it was a great honor to be invited to a banquet at a rich man's house. Preparation would be made for days and days and then once the food was prepared, it had to be eaten right away because it was full, because they didn't have the refrigeration that we have today. And in this parable, there are two invitations that are given. And the first invitation, the people will either accept or decline the invitation. And as we go on here in this lesson, we'll see that there were several excuses why those who had been invited and had accepted the invitation couldn't come. Then at the end of the parable, the invitation was given, the second one, and that was when the feast was ready. The servant was told to go out and invite all that he possibly could. Come to the feast. Come to supper. Come, it's supper time. And on the first invitation, the first man's excuse was that he had bought some land and he must go see it. Who does that? You know, I've bought land several times. I look at it. I walk around on it before I purchase it. The second man's excuse, he had bought five yoke of oxen. He had to go prove them or, or test them or try them. So again, I ask this question. Who would go out and buy a team of oxen or anything, as far as that matter, would go out and then buy a team of oxen that he hadn't tried or tested already. Then we have this third man's excuse. He had married a wife, and he just could not come. Brothers and sisters, back in the day, marriages was arranged a year or more before the wedding even take place. 
he would have known right off the bat when he was accepting the invitation when and where his wedding was going to take place. He would also know whether or not he could come. Yet, they were all too busy. Too many worldly things got the best of them. And we should never let that happen to us, especially when it comes to serving the Lord, especially when it comes after we've accepted his invitation. We must never, ever, ever get too busy to obey the gospel. All accountable souls, all accountable souls are lost in sin. For all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one, Romans 3, 10 and 23. And without obedience to the gospel, all who do not obey will be lost forever. Some of the last words that we have written in our Bible, some of the last things that Paul said that he had fought a good fight. He said he fought a good fight. It wasn't a bad fight. It was a good fight. He said he finished the course. He had kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day, but not to me only, but to all them that according to his appearing. Think about that. Finished that course, kept the faith. Romans 6, 23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. But the Hebrew writer tells us in Hebrews 5, verse 8 and 9, though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. We should never, ever, ever get too busy to go in the world and preach the gospel to every creature or see that it gets done. Remember old Felix, the Roman governor, decided he would wait for a more convenient season, which we all know more than likely that it never did come around. He put it off, and it cost him. There was a minister who told a story once in one of his sermons about a man who had procrastinated so many years, and today there are so many people laying in their graves who've done the same thing. But one day he decided he wanted to be baptized when he found out that he had cancer, but he died that night he was to be baptized. Waited too late, didn't he? We must never, ever get too busy to serve God every day. We must seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God must come first in our lives. He must come first in our planning. He must come first in our priorities. He must come first in our giving. He must come first when it involves the use of our time. We must never be too busy to spend time to God in prayer. We're told we're to pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. We must never be too busy to read our Bibles. We should be searching the scriptures daily like the Bereans did. We should all be desiring the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. 1 Peter 2, verse 2. We must never be too busy to attend Bible studies 
our Sunday morning worship services, our Sunday evening worship services, and God bless you all for being here, and Wednesday evening services. Brothers and sisters, we should never forsake the assembling of ourselves together, Hebrews 10, 25. Truett Cathy was the founder of Chick-fil-A, one of America's largest chicken fast food chains. He died in 2014 at the age of 93. He steadfastly refused to open his restaurants on Sunday. Why did he do that? Why do you think he did that? Because he did not want to forsake the assembly, nor did he want his employees to. He wanted to do the right thing, and that's exactly what he did. You know, everybody seems like these days are in such a hurry, just rush, rush, rushing through this life because, you see, we don't want to miss out on anything. But did you know that there are some things that we will not be too busy to miss? And one being this, we will not be too busy to answer the summons of death. The Hebrew writer tells us in Hebrews 9, 27, that we have appointment with death. It's appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. And the days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason and strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow. Soon it is cut off and we fly away. Psalms 90 verse 10. Another thing I would like to mention in this lesson that we'll not be too busy to miss is this. We'll not be too busy to stand before the Lord on Judgment Day. Jesus says in Matthew 25, verses 31 through 33, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all of his holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divide up his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on the right hand and the goats on his left. And Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to what he has done, whether it be good or bad. Brothers and sisters, we'll not be too busy to go to either heaven or hell for eternity according to what Jesus tells us in Matthew 25, verse 46. You know, it's been said <clears throat> that the devil can't make you bad, but he can make you busy. He can't make you bad, but he can make you busy. You see, Satan's always looking for opportunities to make us so ineffective in our work for the Lord as much as he can. For example, I, I need to go get my car fixed. I, I need to do this. I, I need to do that. There's a television program I got to watch. I, I got to get on my computer. I got to check my emails. And the list just goes on and on and on. And when I see people rushing down the highways and the byways, sometimes I think to myself, 
those folks are just rushing, going nowhere, nowhere. Aren't we supposed to walk by faith and not by sight? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, we're to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. You know, Mary and Martha, they're a classic example of the problem we're talking about in this lesson, aren't they? Martha was very diligent, faithful, doing her work, in a very efficient manner. You see, she was really busy trying to get all of her work done, cooking and cleaning, yet Jesus told her what she was doing could wait. In other words, there was no rush in finishing her work at all if it sacrificed her time being with him. You see, Mary was at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus said she has chosen the good part that should not be taken away from her. But Martha was in a frenzy. She was cumbered. She was troubled with all that she had to do. She thought her priority was to get that meal fixed. Yes, yeah, she became too busy with that meal preparation and her sister, Mary, had not pitched in to help her whatsoever. You see, Mary was using her time wisely Think about that. We all just have a limited amount of time to use. And every opportunity that flies by is then lost if we do not make the proper use of it. Martha's concern was for her labors. And that was causing her to miss out on a very important opportunity to learn from the Lord. I know sometimes... <clears throat> We're all guilty of overstuffing our calendars with this to do and that to do. And we all get so busy that sometimes some things get squeezed out. Maybe we'd plan to go out and do some benevolent work. Or maybe we put on our calendar that we need to go in the neighborhood and check on some of our neighbors or we need to go and visit a family member or a friend, a co-worker or a neighbor in the hospital or in the, in the nursing home. And, and it seems like quite often these are the very things that get squeezed out of our to-do list and these are the very things that ought to get done which strengthens our faith and strengthens our relationship with God. Today, in the fast-paced world that we're living in, are just too many people become too busy to pray, too busy to praise the Lord, too busy to interact with God in any meaningful way. And it seems to me like in a lot of cases, a lot of folks let schedules and timelines and appointments and events take precedence over our Sunday worship services and our devotional and Bible reading opportunities often get lost in the shuffle. In other words, instead of seeking first Christ's kingdom, so many folks, in other words, just find themselves only giving God 
just a few minutes here and there or every now and then. And some people, you know, are like workaholics and I know we all have to work. I know we have to support our families and, and our needs and there's other people in this world that we need to work and we need to help out. Yes, we're to work, but we cannot allow our work to make us so tired are so busy, you know, to neglect the work of the Lord. I'm sure that there's a lot of people today that wants to serve God, but it seems like they do not allow time in their lives to make any effort in doing so whatsoever. In other words, like service to God, to a lot of folks, just becomes a matter of convenience you know like when when you can work it in you know but serving God and coming to the worship services and serving the Lord it's not a matter of convenience it's a matter of conviction you know before closing out this lesson I want us to go back to that parable that I read in the very beginning of this lesson taken from Luke 14 verses 16 through 24 I would like to go in some detail and tell you about what that parable represents. But I want you to keep in mind that there's a whole lot more to it in this parable that will not get explained. I'm just going to kind of give you a little short version of it. Jesus in his parable was given a very important lesson about a great supper, which is a spiritual meal the gospel, and it was going to be served. The servant who went out to invite the guest was a preacher of Christ. And when he went out to invite those to come, he got a cold reception. Instead of, of a thank you for inviting me, he got excuses. He got excuses. And do you know what all three of those excuses that are mentioned in this parable have in common, they all plead something that pertains to self. And they all place the gratification of selfish desires above their duty and obligation to the Lord. So when the servant come back empty-handed with only excuses, <clears throat> and I've told my grandson, Tyler, I said, do you know what an excuse really is? And he said, no, what is it? I said, it's like an M&M. It's, it's a skin of a reason coated with a lie most of the time. So you see, when this servant came back empty-handed, but with only excuses, he reported what happened to the master of the house, the Lord, and he got very angry, angry, because they were rejecting his son. So he told that servant, you go back out and you invite, you extend this invitation to those who had not been previously favored, who were publicans, harlots, and others of those classes that were despised by the leaders of Israel. And you might say, how do I know that? How do you know that that was the ones that he was supposed to go out and invite publicans and harlots and others because Jesus told the chief priests and elders 
in a conversation that he had with him in Matthew 21, 31, this is what he said. Verily I say unto you that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. And that's how I know. Matthew 21, 31. So the servant went back out and he invited them. And at this time he had acceptance. But he came back and he told the master of the house when he returned, there is still room for others. Brothers and sisters, that means that there's room, plenty of room in the plan of salvation to the whole world. The master of the house told that servant them, go back out into the highways and hedges and keep on inviting because he said, I want my house to be full. You know, the master of the home told the servant to go compel them he said, compel them to come. In other words, he told them to use force of truthful persuasion in bringing the people into his house, which is the kingdom of God. Jesus ends his parable by saying that none of those men which were bidden shall taste my supper. In other words, he's saying those men that had rejected his invitation excluded themselves. In this parable, we can see and understand that God's greatest gift, salvation of the soul, it appears in the analogy of an invitation to a great feast. Think about that. But we can also see in this parable, an unspeakable tragedy, which is being man's blind, foolish rejection of it. When Jesus offers a worldwide invitation in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, come to me all you that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly at heart. You can find rest in your soul for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He says, learn of me. Come to me. Learn of me. In conclusion of this lesson, I want you to listen to this very closely. I want to close this lesson out with a poem. And I truly believe with all my heart that this poem will sum up for us about being too busy. And it goes like this. I knelt to pray, but not for long. I had so much to do. Must hurry off and get to work, for bills would soon be due. And so I said a hurried prayer and jumped up from my knees. My Christian duty now was done and my soul could be at ease. All through the day I had no time to speak a word of cheer, no time to speak a word for God. They'd laugh at me, I feared. And when before the Lord I came, I stood with downcast eyes. Within his hands he held a book. It was the book of life. 
He looked into the book and said, Your name I cannot find. I once was going to write it down, but I never found the time. You know, if and when the shoe is on the other foot, you will be wondering, was it worth it putting all those things before God? No. I can tell you right now, no, brothers and sisters. There's nothing on the face of this earth is as important as serving the Lord. As Paul, as uh, we have here in the Bible, David tells us, and I think it's Psalm 22, verse 1, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hebrews 11, 6. Is that what you're doing? Are you diligently seeking the Lord? Or have you been too busy? Have you been too busy? That's something to think about, isn't it? In the long run, you'll wonder, have I been was too busy? Was I too busy? Was it worth it? No, it won't. If you're here and you would like to seek the Lord, you would like to become a child of God, you, you've made up your mind that that's what you want to do. You want to start serving the Lord with gladness and you're willing to repent of your sins. You're willing to confess Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God. He's the one that's done everything he said he's done and said everything he said, he meant it. If you're willing to confess him, you're willing to have all your sins washed away in baptism. You're willing to live a faithful life. Or if you're here and you've done those things, but you're not really sure, you don't, like Tyler was saying, you're not, you don't really have that blessed assurance that heaven will be your home, then you need to make it right with God so you won't get left. While we have this beautiful opportunity now, while together we stand and sing the song that's been selected.